Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. You eat shit. What's the matter? You don't eat meat? Oh, I eat meat. They also eat lots of shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit and die, Ricky. Eat shit and live, Bill. Eat shit, Jake. You can just stand there and kiss a dog's titties for all I care. Fuck off, hillbilly. Eat shit, body perm. We're gonna make them eat our shit, then shit out our shit, and then eat their shit that's made up of our shit that we made them eat. These little guys eat shit all day long in Tokyo. Slurp shit and die. I'm sorry, Mommy. I was just really hungry. If you're that hungry, why don't you go and eat shit? Hey everyone! Merry Christmas! Yeah, Merry Christmas! Uh, may Krampus not take and eat your children. <laughs> or maybe you want that. Yeah. If your kids are dicks, let's hope it happens. Yeah. Some kids are dicks. Mm. Um. So for this episode, we were kicking around something special that we could do for Christmas, and then we decided, why not? Fuck it. We'll just go all in on JC. We'll uh, we'll talk about. A carpenter, but not. the only carpenter I need in my life. Yeah, the only JC Carpenter I need is John Carpenter, and yes, we've blown our loads on many of his films throughout this podcast, especially the thing. But now we figured, why not just do it full bore? Yeah, this is a John Carpenter bukkake, and <clears throat> we're gonna have it large. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, let's fucking roll. All right, so. Fucking John Carpenter. Where do you start with that guy? Writer, director, editor, composer. <laughs> Incredible composer. Yeah. Um, we both have had the privilege of actually seeing him live, which was really, really cool. Really great. Really great. Um, which I got to say, anybody listening, if you were someone who took their phone out and recorded just <laughs> the time that he played the Halloween theme, fucking shame on you. Yeah. Like, you... You really let me down. (laughs) (laughs) We are not the same. (laughs) You know he got into movies because he wanted to make westerns. Hmm. That's the whole reason he got into making films. I was going to say, if you look at his IMDb, you would think he's a sci-fi guy Mm because everything has to do with, like, monsters from space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have a single fucking cowboy in any of your movies. You know that, right? (laughs) Well, Snake Plissken is a goddamn cowboy. Yeah. But we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he got into films because he wanted to be—he wanted to make westerns, but they weren't popular. Yeah. By the time he was doing it, so he makes fucking, sense. Yeah. So uh, I know he has a bunch of short films that he did. I only seen one of them. The other ones are really impossible to find. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually did a Godzilla short film. No shit. Yeah, Godzilla mm-hmm. versus uh, Michael Gar- Myers, Gargantuan or Gargantua, or whatever. <laughs> Um, but I saw Captain Voyeur from 69. Wow. And it's, uh, it's definitely like a student film. Mm-hmm. And it's just this dude who dresses up like in a superhero outfit and spies on women changing clothes. <laughs> and then, uh... So me on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets shot at at the end, but he ends up with the girl who shot at him. Oh, that's interesting. That's the end. Huh. So... But it, it's weird because it does feel like Carpenter that early on. Mm. You feel like he's already so he got his, kind he, of a voice going, you know. He has he his own thing from the jump, which right. is fucking great. Like I love it. I love when directors actually have a vision, you know. And he's an auteur. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. T- to be honest, like looking at his catalog, I probably will start at Assault. Yeah. Like that's that's where I pick up at. Yeah. Um, 
I haven't seen anything. I, I, I've never watched Dark Star. I know that is probably the easiest early film to get your hands on. It is. You can find it anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah it's his first feature. Um, it's pretty much waiting for Godot <laughs> in space. Uh, it's pretty damn laughable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's this like beach ball alien fucking thing. It's hilarious. The scene is fucking hilarious. We should get drunk and watch it. Uh, you'd probably fall asleep. Yeah. There's moments that are funny, but it's hard to watch. So, um, Assault on Precinct 13 has one of the cool... Like, I'll, I say this about John Carpenter and his, his compositions, mm-hmm. is when he's not doing, like, a horror film, like, even in... like, But when he's doing, like, an action film, like Doom, Assault... Do, 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 do. Yeah. Assault, do, They do, do, Live, do. fucking Big Trouble. He writes tough-ass mm-hmm. music to go along yeah. with it. Yeah. It's like you hear that, like especially in like with precinct, do 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 do. Like I'm just like, fuck, that is tough. Like yeah. that is such a like, and you just see the gang coming over the fucking hill. Yeah, it's playing and shit. Like, it's great, man. Yeah. Also, really too, fun. he edited that film. Did he really? Yeah, he had it under a different name. His, uh, his name was John T. Chance. <laughs> I like in this movie too. They shot a child. Yeah, it was, it was a risky thing to do yep. early on. They did yeah. it. Watch this yeah, that might blammo. actually. That's because the movie didn't do well in the U.S. Mm. It did well in England, of course. And I wonder if the child murder had something to do with it. I didn't think about that. Mm. It's a shame how many of his movies have been box office pans, and then you go back and watch them, and they're like they're. Yeah. I wouldn't even say they're cult classics now. Now it's like people are. It's like that fucking song you skip on the CD. Because it starts off weird, yeah. or it starts off different, and then you come back, you're like, that's the best song on the fucking album, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, he has made a lot of cult classic fucking movies. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's the cult of Carpenter. I think a lot of people gravitate... I know for me, I gravitated towards his vision because I, I love the way he tells a story. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the way he can weave in and out of genres with pulling from different ones. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... You know, Ghost of Mars to me is probably to me his we- his his weakest film, but that is a horror movie and an action movie and a sci-fi movie, and it's like you get a feel for all of it. You know, it none of them are really missing any of that. Um, so I always uh, like his. It's like it's not like anything felt ham-fisted for any of his movies when I watch them. Yeah, you know, but that that's kind of jumping ahead. Uh, but yeah, I thought Assault, you know, was a straight-up fucking action film. It's, it's you know, got gunfights and blood. It's and, a hell of a debut. I yeah. mean, Dark Star was the debut, but, like, this one fucking came out swinging. Yeah. You know, it was funny is uh, when I was doing... And it's hey, got uh, the Westerns from, vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it, Westerns weren't popular, so he's like, all right, well, I'll do a fucking crime film. Yeah, Decaying. I'll essentially do a, a heist urban. film, but without it being a heist. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Will watched it, and he was like, dude, you got to... You got to rewatch this. And yeah. I, when I rewatched it, I was just like, "God damn, this is fun! Like, yeah. It's a really fun film." Yeah, just eighties, eighties, or uh, no, it's seventy six. Yeah, it's seventy six. It, it feels eighties because everybody has like giant guns. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you say he writes those tough ass scores, and mm-hmm. it feels like he almost invented the eighties tough guy. Yeah, before it was the eighties tough guy. Yeah, you know, it feels mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm just off my ass. So, right. so we move on. The fucking king ship of his fucking career is Halloween, 1978. His first collaboration with Deborah Hill. Yep. In my opinion, the only Halloween that fucking matters, but... uh, I would say three. I I like three a lot. 
Well, and yeah, and like three is a definitely a. That's off subject. Yeah, it has nothing really to do with Carpenter. Yeah, so, and it's really you know I would say like Halloween was what it was supposed to be was that slasher film was supposed to be the babysitter murders you, you know yeah, um, and then so he solidified the slasher genre yeah in the mainstream. Well, I mean he he made it to where it's like like a lot of people say that Hitchcock's Psycho was essentially the first slasher. And it's like, but as much as you want to say that that is Carpenter's Halloween technically is is the first slasher because that's what slashers became i would say black christmas is the first slasher well what i'm saying though about slashers becoming it is you have first and foremost like what became slasher is you had an iconic killer right that's what slashers became yeah the killers became more right i see what you're saying and so in black christmas although you're right because there's multiple people being murdered by an an un like you never see the killer yeah you know pov shot that's used in halloween yeah and you know to me like yes like and and i will never take anything away from black christmas because i think the original is brilliant um to me john carpenter created something that then other people i mean friday the 13th wanted to be Halloween but bloodier that's what they said because yeah. Halloween fucking took off at the box office mm-hmm. it cleaned house and the guys who did Friday were like how can we beat that oh I know we'll give them the same thing just with more blood and tits yeah. and that's what Friday the 13th is you know mm-hmm. and then of course like nobody knew they were going to spawn the hockey mask slasher and they I dare I say like they created something that became more more iconic yeah. than than Michael, but still the formula they followed was made by John Carpenter. Yeah. So he made the the slasher formula, in my opinion. And he created the horror icon, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, fun fact about that movie: Deborah Hill, her hands are young Michael's hands when you yeah. see the kill in the first one. She's also um, when Michael is walking from the one house to the other. When Laurie and you're seeing like the silhouette coming towards the camera, that's mm-hmm. also Deborah Hill's dressed as Michael there. Because, no shit. Uh, what's the dude's name who played him? Nick Castle. Nick Castle's too tall. Huh. He was just kind of out of the shot, and he was just like, "Dress Deborah." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's genius about that movie is how the framing of that movie gets more claustrophobic as it goes to the end. Mm. Like, it starts wide, you know, these wide street shots and mm-hmm. all that, and where's it end? In a fucking closet. Yeah. You know, like, everything gets more claustrophobic and brings you in. Like, it's really fucking genius how he, how he made that movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's not a drop of blood mm-hmm. in that fucking whole movie. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, you're like, I swear I saw blood in that movie. I know. It's like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Right? You swear you saw fucking blood in those movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. They're not as gory as you think they are. No, no. And it's like, that's amazing what they, the, psych, the psychology they play with it. As you think it's a fucking bloodbath, it's like, there's not a single drop of blood yeah. in that movie. And, yeah. You know, the, the so like, you know that, that then that's fucking scary. Anything yeah. making you think it's more extreme than what it really is has done something to you psycho- psychologically. So, yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I, and like, I've always appreciated that about that movie too, is that it's like, it's a renowned slasher and you don't see. And, like, terrible things happen. Like, he pins a guy to a fucking wall with a knife, but you don't see any blood, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So his next film, which I think is an overlooked gem in his catalog, is Someone's Watching Me from mm. 78. I don't think I've ever seen this one. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a TV movie. It's a TV but. movie. It actually came out while Halloween was still in theaters. Mm. Um, it's very Hitchcocky, and it, it has, like, it's, like, rear window 
type Hitchcock stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for a TV movie, I think it's a fucking really good thriller. Yeah. You know? I mean, I would even say that should have been the Halloween sequel. Yeah. Take that script and modify it. It would have been a really cool fucking Halloween sequel. Mm. It's a, uh, She's a TV director, TV news director. And this guy keeps like stalking her. It, it's cool. It's a, like it's tense and, and like keeps you guessing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a thriller than a horror. I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, it's it's a, it's worth a watch. After that is Elvis nineteen seventy nine, which I have not seen. And I've never seen it either. You know, that's his first time working with Kurt Russell. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have nothing to say about that because I don't care. Yeah, same, same here. Yeah. <laughs> um, which brings us though to one of the best. The Fog. The fucking Fog. I, this was one of those movies, I, I think I've said it before on, on this podcast, is that I really dig, like, the use of shadows and silhouettes. I like the idea of a presence, but you're not quite sure what it is. You I, never see the ghosts, really, yeah. what they look like. Yeah. Silhouettes, and, and red when eyes. When you see them, it's just silhouettes, which is glowing red eyes. I fell in love with that, that image. And, the, like, the fucking sword hanging off the side and shit like that. And I was like, those are fucking zombie pirates. Like, yeah. I fell in love with that shit. And I, I love that movie, man. I love, like, the, the idea of them hiding in the fog and shit like that. And, and yeah. like, it rolling up on the beach and things like that. I, I love it. There are so many cool things about that movie that the remake fucked up. <laughs> never seen it. I probably it, never will. Don't. It's garbage. It's yeah. fucking useless. But... That movie itself is like, because that was another one. It's like you have Jamie Lee Curtis, but she's not like, she's kind of really like she. I mean, she's a final girl, but she's kind of not the main character. No, you know, no. Which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, I really like the fog. That one like is so Carpenter. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. that's where I feel like he's. You start to really see his mm-hmm. style a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's like, it's 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 one of those things where it's like a traditional ghost story, you know? mm-hmm. and you could tell that even though you could have probably done this several other ways, I like the fact that he was like, no, nah, I want to make it hidden. I don't want to make like a lot of things like, because you could have easily just had like the zombies walking around killing people like they do, but the fog, like the use of fog, the the use of a silhouette and things like that, it makes their presence so much more intimidating. And, yeah. Like and just seeing the fog roll in. Like during the movie, you realize that that's a calling card, and you know something terrible is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I love that Car- Carpenter finds a way to do that, you know. And like he did it in Halloween with like Michael kind of like like standing somewhere else, and then he'll do like a cue with music <laughs> yep. that'll tell people that. And I feel like he did the same thing in the fog with using the actual fog, fog yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that movie. I, I need to rewatch it too because it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. All right, 1981, Escape from New York. Or is it 2020? <laughs> <laughs> that was a personal joke. This is a fucking Western. Mm-hmm. For sure. A Western set in the East. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eastern United States. Yeah, what's cool about this movie is it was filmed in a, a burned-down section of St. Louis mm. that... Uh, the city let them shut all the power off mm-hmm. and light the city how they wanted it. And they just hosed down the streets so the light would reflect and did all this cool shit. But yeah, it was all shot in this abandoned part of St. Louis and made it look like New York. I think the only shot in New York is the Statue of Liberty at the beginning. Mm. The pan shot of Statue of Liberty. 
Speaking of the fucking cover of that movie with the Statue of Liberty head, Mm -hmm. the whole time I remember being a kid and watching that movie, like, where's that fucking Statue of Liberty head? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I had to wait 27 years later when they did in Cloverfield. (laughs) 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 What if that was it? Like, that's the tie-in. That's how New York got that way. Mm. Escape from New York is just the sequel to Cloverfield. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I feel like that's J.J. Abrams' nod to Carpenter, though. Yeah. By throwing that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was one of those things where uh, John Carpenter was trying like hell to create a... Uh, like, he, he, he was trying to create something that I think uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell did later. Where you, mm. they gave us this sort of anti-hero who could possibly kind of walk the same lines as, like, you could easily see him being the foil to, like, a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers or something like that. Like, you you have a slasher killer, then you have this anti-hero badass. Who does not give a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, like, that was one thing, too. I know I'm jumping ahead, because I saw Escape from L.A. before I saw Escape from New York. Yeah. Um... And that was one thing that I always loved about that character was his complete, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care. Shove it up your ass type yeah. mentality. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that, too. He knows how to write a badass. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, and then the guy's name is Snake. <laughs> his Snake name's Snake Pliskin. Pliskin. Yeah. Um, Which apparently was inspired by a real dude named Snake Pliskin. Really? With a snake tattoo. <laughs> um, little side note here, and this I love shit like this, is... Uh, there was a cartoon on Cartoon Network when I was a kid called The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and there was a character on there who was a, a nod to Snake Bliskin. Okay. And and a nod to Ash, mm. because he had the look of Snake Bliskin, mullet, eye patch with a scar, you know, big buff dude, but he was also missing his hand, and he'd have a chainsaw, and it was like he would change shit out on it, like a fucking machine gun and a shit like that and he would like they brought him in on an episode where he's like killing zombies and shit like that and like so you could tell like this dude's like I want to take Snake Bliskin yeah. and, and this character and mash them together and create him for this cartoon nice and like I just love shit like that because it's like the guy who created that cartoon a fan. is a fan of Carpenter yeah for sure <laughs> the original opening of that movie was cut uh, and it was the scene was to set up how Snake ended up in fucking prison in the first place okay. ended up locked up in the first place it was him and his friend robbing a bank and a friend gets shot, and he gets arrested. Mm-hmm. That was the whole open the movie, and they just cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it, like, it works with it. Totally works. It with does. It. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it wasn't the opening of of New York like it's showing how New York got that way, like a nuke or some shit like that. No. No. Just says shit got so bad they fucking walled it off. <laughs> Build the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, do you just I, want to go into LA um, so yeah we'll just we'll just stick with Snake Bliskin and jump yeah. into LA and just get it out of the way yeah. um, this is a goofy ass movie uh, it fucking sucks yeah. I don't like this movie at all mm-hmm. it's really bad CGI yeah. that whole basketball deathmatch scene yeah. is so stupid them riding the wave <laughs> that shit is retarded yeah. I, I don't understand them fucking surfing into the the, the fucking yeah uh, yeah, I don't know. I felt like this was like they took the grittiness of New York and they were like, well, L.A.'s not gritty. L.A.'s flashy. L.A.'s fucking... He just had more money. Yeah, well, 
And also, too, this is funny. He's, uh, Bruce Cam- Campbell's in Escape yeah, from Yeah, he is. He's the Surgeon General? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a fucking awesome character. Yeah. And his fucking face is all stretched and shit mm-hmm. like that. But, no, I mean, that whole movie, I feel like, is taking a piss on L.A. You know? It's like, if this place was ever going to fucking fall... It would I mean, be a, it's all in there. When they show yeah. the fucking Hollywood sign fucking on fire, yeah. the whole Hollywood Hills are burning, mm-hmm. which it is right now. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Not too far off, are we? <laughs> so what we're saying is John Carpenter is a goddamn dictator. prophet. Yeah. They have a communist dictator running the country. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's goofy. I, I don't really know what else to say about it. I didn't like it at all. Um, one fun fact I learned about it is that that last, that fucking full court basketball shot that Kurt mm-hmm. does, he actually did that on the first take. Yeah. And was it. <laughs> Which just goes to show Kurt Russell's the fucking man. You always hire Kurt, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Jumping back, 1982. <laughs> do we even need to talk about the thing well, anymore? we do. <laughs> like, in context of his catalog, th- yeah. this is the beginning of his Apocalypse trilogy. That's right. So this is the first one of three films of the Apocalypse trilogy, which all end on a very dark fucking note. Yeah, um, yeah we've talked about the thing over and over. <laughs> um, but I have a story about this. So I used to run, me and a couple friends in New York used to run a film club where we'd screen films at this theater. And we got Tom Waits, not that Tom Waits. The guy that plays Windows is also named Thomas G. Waits <laughs> in the movie. We got him to come intro the screening, and he told us a story that they were they had a bus loaded with all the cast and crew, all the equipment, everything, and they had to go up to the top of this fucking mountain to shoot. And it was a very narrow, winding road, snowing like hell. They couldn't see anything, and the bus slid off the fucking road and was half gonna roll down this fucking cliff. Mm-hmm. And everybody's freaking out, panicking. And Tom said. Kurt immediately turned into fucking McCready. Yeah. And started commanding everyone what to do and saved everybody. Like, got all the shit off the fucking bus, got the fucking bus back on the road. Like, he instantly, he said he became McCready that moment and he mm-hmm. didn't break character after that. That's fucking great. I just imagine with the hair and the beard. Like, yeah. just yelling at people to do shit. And with like, a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Let yeah. <laughs> me get this shit done. That's, that's awesome. Um, Such a grim ending to that movie. With Childs and McCready staring yeah. at each other. Yep. They don't know if they can trust each other, and you're like, they're going to freeze to death. Like, there's no fucking hero here, you know? That's another common theme with his film. There's no happy ending. Mm-hmm. Michael Myers gets away. Yeah. He had no intention of making a sequel. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Everything ends on a fucking down note. Yeah. What else can you say about the thing that we haven't already said? Exactly. That's what, I'm kind of just biting my tongue because yeah. I'm like, I've said everything I need to say about that film. All right. And another one we've, I've spoken a lot about mm-hmm. is 1983, Christine, which is the adaptation of Stephen King's novel, mm-hmm. which is my personal favorite score of yeah. Carpenter's. I think that music has stuck with me since the first time I saw that movie. It makes that film. Yeah. And they're talking about remaking it now, and it's not going to be the same without that music. There's no fucking way. I mean... I don't know how yeah. you... Carpenter made a car scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, if they're going to remake it, it's going to be modernized. And there's nothing scary about a modern car, you know? I mean, what's really scary about a Plymouth Fury? 
The name? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If one was on one on fire driving towards me, that's I'd be what like, I mean. Ah, the imagery, fuck. man. Like, you know, I mean, he yeah. did some fuck, and the music along with that, mm-hmm. like everything about that film. I'm, I love that. I love yeah. that movie so much. Again, downer ending. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much to say about Christine. It's been a while since I've seen the film, and I do remember like when they were playing it live I just remember being like I have to fucking watch this like when he was playing the score live and they're they had the big screen and you're watching the bullies get run over and shit like yeah. that like the scene where that the fucking head bully gets plowed down and Christine drives over him and it sits with Christine disappearing into the distance yep. and his body rolling while on fire yeah. I'm like that is fucking grim yeah. like that is so fucked up but it's a great shot and, excellent man. you know the flaming car going down the street mm-hmm. will forever live rent-free in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 1984. Starman! Starman. So Bridges. this, and Carpenter said this himself, this is the antithesis to The Thing. Because The Thing did so poorly when it was released mm-hmm. that he felt like he needed... People were pissed off about The Thing because E.T., made everybody love aliens. Yeah. And then the thing comes along uh-huh. and like, nah, yeah. nah, this yeah. is probably what's really going to happen. Mm-hmm. So he did this to make people like him again in a way. Uh, you know? I wish he wouldn't have. Yeah. I feel like this is the, the, and I don't think he did. I mean, this was his vision, but this kind of feels like he compromised a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. On this movie? Because it's like, essentially, it's just a love story. Happy ending, yeah. romantic comedy. Yeah. It's... Although you know, I'll say, like, the part where the alien shows up and transforms into Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. The alien is fucking scary looking, right. you know. Which is very similar. The opening to this and the thing are very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Carpenter wasn't allowed to compose the score for this. They wouldn't let him because it was a romantic comedy and they considered him the horror guy. So they wouldn't let him compose the fucking thing, which is why he redid it and added it on his anthology album that he released a few years back. Okay. He did the did it on there because he was like, fuck you. Yeah. It's still my movie. <laughs> yeah. Fucking I. And I, that's what I admire the most about him. Yes. Is he's just like, he is a fuck. Like, he's never put his middle finger down. Yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate that, especially mm-hmm. like somebody who created something and is, is kind of like, it's like, I, he, he seems to really like live in horror. You yeah. know, that's definitely his wheelhouse. Yeah. But, trying to prove that he could do other shit and when people are like we don't like this he's like well fuck you I don't care like I I really appreciate yeah. that and because yeah. I just feel like there's a bunch of people like and maybe this is more in the acting community but like the scream queens who are like I don't want to be called a scream queen it's like well you scream and you're you fucking star in horror movies and all you do is scream you're a fucking scream queen shut the fuck up yeah we'll do that cheers man cheers hi but yeah, I've always appreciated that about him is like even when he does something different it's got a little bit of John Carpenter flavor where it's people like oh I don't like that fuck you yeah you know which if we're cool with moving on yeah let's move on brings us to this may be my favorite film of his really <laughs> it's just so much fun it's one of the best horror comedies ever made yeah <laughs> If you want to call it that, but, I horror, mean, action, comedy—it's yeah. everything. And it's—it is batshit insane. It is a batshit insane movie. And the movie we're talking about is Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. This movie, also I remember, starring Kurt Russell, man. I remember seeing this 
as a kid and thinking Kurt Russell's character of uh, Jack Bur- Barton Jack Burton Burton is the most badass dude you've ever seen and thinking also that the three storms were the most badass villains you'd ever seen. That's what sold me was the three storms. Mm-hmm. I and can't... honestly, now that I'm older, it's like I just want to be Lopan. <laughs> I just want to be that character. Well, I grew up watching a lot of kung fu films. Mm-hmm. Uh, kung fu was second to horror for me, and um, I remember when I saw the three storms, I was like, "This is a this is what Mortal Kombat should be. Yeah. Like this is fucking incredible. These three mm-hmm. badass fucking warriors. Like I, I just wanted a whole movie about that. Yeah." I love all the fucking characters in it. I love the idea of the two warring factions in the very beginning. You know, I like the fucking idea of, like, the weird underground with the, with the weird monsters and shit like that. And yeah. I love that shit. I love the the antho- or the or the mythology that they type, try bringing in from, like, Jap- uh, Japanese lore and things yeah. like that. And, you know, like, <laughs> well, like that. there's just great comedy scenes, too, with, like, them coming in the elevator and, like, they they took those elixirs like you know I'm feeling really positive <laughs> like just that shit like the fact that he would write that into the script yeah. is just brilliant to me and I don't know like there's so much about this like I'm thinking about getting like a, a low pan tattoo nice like a like but him in like stained glass like he's a saint yeah and like just like what is that that's low pan yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. but I, I just think that uh so many things about this movie and it's so ingrained in my childhood because I remember watching it and like it's like one of those things it's like you see it on TV and you're like what the fuck is this and then it comes on again and you're like this is that movie with like the the guys from Mortal Kombat and the guys who are like Raiden you know and shit and so I just remember watching it and then like when I found out what the name was and things like that and then I remember like knowing that or not knowing that it was John Carpenter and then when yeah, I, got, I didn't know that shit when I first saw yeah. it. I had no idea it was the guy that did Halloween. Exactly. I got really into Carpenter, and I was like, he fucking did one of my favorite movies as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, so. Yep. When I, I was a kid, I'd just watch all this shit, and I had no idea. I had no mm-hmm. idea I did Escape in New York, fucking Halloween, and, and The Thing. Yeah. And this. Like, I had mm-hmm. no idea he did all that shit. I know. Like, that's my whole thing, too. <laughs> and then going like, back, and I'm like, oh, he did everything that I fucking yeah, loved as exactly. a kid. Exactly. Like, that's <laughs> one of the things where it's like, when back in the days where. TV stations used to play these movies and yes. shit like that. And you would see, like, the thing, you'd be like, dude, that fucking movie's brutal. And then you would watch, you know, Big Trouble in Little China and laugh your ass off and enjoy the story and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, ninjas were real big when I was a kid, so this was, like, kind of kung fu Fucking and turtles, man. Yeah. So uh, this kind of fell right in line with it. But to then find out that it was all John Carpenter and this yeah. was, like, his catalog, I'm just like, this guy's my favorite fucking director, yeah. you know? He's by far my favorite horror director, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, uh, moving on to 1987, Prince of Darkness. The second installment of the Apocalypse Trilogy. And the entire cast of Big Trouble in Little China, minus Kurt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> also batshit crazy. An insane fucking movie. Yeah. There's so much happening in it, and I'm it's just like... cosmic horror meets Satanism meets theology. Yeah. There's like, a, yeah. there's all well, kind of shit the, going on there. The perfect analogy is the book in it, where it's like, there's Latin, some. Oh yeah. And he's like, he's like, some is this, some is this, some we don't even know. Yeah. And it's just like that is the that is an analogy for the movie. Yeah. You know, and like what I love too, my favorite thing about that movie is the med students. Mm. Just everybody is like, none of these fuck, none of these are teenagers. These yeah. are all grown ass men and women. Yeah. You know, but acting like. Yeah, I'm a teenager. 
dude, you're you have a fucking forty year old's mustache. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I really like Prince of Darkness. I do too. It's really good. It's it is crazy. But Another great score. Yeah. Oh man, that Another shit's good. haunting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I I there's there are some weak elements. I wish they do more with the fucking. The, the army of homeless. Yeah, you know? the people that are outside. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that always felt a little weak to me. I always kind of assumed that they were building to a sequel to it. Or maybe a, a runoff story where that was going to play a bigger part. Yeah. But it was really just to keep everyone in, you know? Yeah. And that that's where I felt like it kind of fell off because it could have been a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I agree that. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I don't really have much other to say no. about that. Um 1988, They Live. Oh, man. Another excellent film. Love this shit. And the fucking score. The fucking <sighs> relevancy. Of this yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this was one of those films where it's like you watch it and it's such a fun concept when you're a kid. Yeah. Like, Alien Invasion, they have people, like, you know, brainwashed and shit and... Roddy Piper puts on the sunglasses and shows him what it really is and shit, and he's like, wow. And then you get older, and you're like, that shit's real. (laughs) (laughs) I just lost my glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're just like, what? Like, we're being fucking conditioned. Like, we're being brainwashed, and... Yeah. I love that shit. And, like, the fight scene, too, between him and... 15 uh, minutes long. Yeah. Well, what's really funny, too, this is another, like, weird tie-in, but... Uh, Keith David voiced a character in the Saints Row video game series. Okay. And there is, I think it's Saints Row 4. Like, every game gets more and more ludicrous. And in 4, an alien invasion happens, and they put him in some sort of simulation. And in his simulation, they do the entire fight between his character in the video game and Rowdy Roddy Piper... And it's like it's like every it's like the dude gets on top and starts kneeing Roddy in the fucking balls like it is the full fucking fight. That's and awesome. I just was like, and also too, uh, when South Park did their cripple fight episode, they based it off of that fight. Really? Yes. <laughs> Carpenter fans everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I just thought those were kind of too cool two tie-ins to that that fight scene. Like it is a fifteen-minute-long slugfest mm-hmm. of just the ugliest shit you've ever seen. Yeah. It looks like two construction workers fighting. Yeah. It doesn't look choreographed. It's yeah. fucking messy. <laughs> They're rolling all over the fucking ground. They barely land punches. <laughs> like it's like Keith David is the fucking man too. Like yes. I said this to you before. I know I don't know if I ever said it on the podcast, but like you can watch any shitty action movie. As long as Keith David's in there, mm. he makes it better. Yeah. He's in a Steven Seagal movie that sucks, mm-hmm. but he makes it better. Well, I mean, he's in Tales from the Hood 2, which is a terrible movie, but every time he's on stage, or every time he's on yeah. camera, I was like, I just I just want to hear him talk. I don't yeah. give a... This dialogue is dumb as shit, but Keith David's saying it, yeah. and I'm buying it, yeah. you know? It's so good. Fucking Golden Throat, man. <laughs> like, yeah. That dude, that dude has a voice, man. Like... It's funny you said about Prince of Darkness being like, <clears throat> felt like it built up to a sequel because I felt like the, that about They Live too. Like mm-hmm. that could have been a sequel. Yeah, there easily could have been a sequel to this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting that it's yeah, <laughs> he never went into that. You yeah. know, he never explored that. But I think he said all he needed to say with that film. Yeah. And I mean, maybe and I didn't know that one. I don't think did very well at the box office either. I don't think many of his films did. Yeah, and I feel like that he's that's kind of where he's at the mercy of it because mm-hmm. I mean, look through his shit. He hasn't done a sequel. 
He didn't do the sequel to Halloween. Well, you know, Escape from L.A. Oh, well, let's try and forget about that one. <laughs> uh, that's all I have for They Live. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have anything else. No. I don't right. have anything either for the memoirs of the Invisible Man. Yeah, so this movie uh, does not feel... Any motherfucker could have directed this. This has nothing about Carpenter in it at all. It doesn't feel like him at all. Have you ever seen it? No. I didn't even know he worked with Chevy Chase or Daryl Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Neill's in it, too. He's the bad guy. Jesus Christ. Um, so, apparently this was Chevy Chase's passion project. And he got it off the ground with Carpenter. Um, but the movie is just fucking stupid. It's yeah. stupid. It sounds... Not stupid. in a good way. Like, it's, <laughs> just, it's Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase mm-hmm. as an invisible guy. Yeah, it's Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase without seeing Chevy Chase. <laughs> wow, okay. I mean, if you're into, like, seeing a toothbrush floating... Yeah. You know, like, who gives a fuck? So, this, to me, is absolute weakest fucking installment in his whole filmography. Um, it's a piece of shit. I don't mm-hmm. care about it. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> Fucking body bags. Love body bags. I love body bags because of him. Because yeah. of Carpenter. Like, that that fucking character. Like I love the idea of him being the corner. Yeah. Like the, like the Crypt Keeper exactly. type of That's narrator. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's, that, it's a modern Crypt that Keeper. That should have kept going. Yes, it should have. Why is there not body bags part five? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> He could do that now. Yeah. He didn't have to direct anything. Just no. show up and do that character and tell us, you know, lead yeah. us into every story. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I love body bags, man. Have you ever, have you seen it? You've yeah. Seen it. Yeah. So it's on Tubi. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I watched it, but I, I didn't watch it on there. I've watched it this like a few years ago and just really like, just, I love horror anthologies. I really do. Yeah. And I especially love horror anthologies when you give me something like, you know, because I grew up with Tales from the Crypt, when I see the Crypt Keeper, it brings back a bunch of memories. So to see them trying to do, like, trying to build something that is a nod to that, the the, the corner is a modern day Crypt Keeper. Yeah. You know, instead of Crypts, he's in the morgue, you yeah. know, and he yeah. looks like he's... He looks like the Crypt Keeper with a little bit of He's skin on. He's on his way to be yeah. a Crypt Keeper, yeah. <laughs> so I really, really enjoy that about it, and I love that, like, the fucking Carpenter hams it up as that yeah. character, and I love it. I think it's I think yeah. it's so entertaining. And, you know, by the time the movie's over, like, I realize, like, I just want more corner. Of corner. <laughs> yeah. I love Gas Station, the first one. Mm-hmm. And I love all the homages in it <clears throat> with, um... Yeah, in the opening sequence, they're talking about murders in Haddonfield on the mm-hmm. television. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. fucking cool. And then the first uh, tenant, or the first patron at the fucking gas station is Wes Craven. Huh. Wes Craven's the guy that comes in fucking... No shit. Yeah. Fuck, I need to rewatch yeah. this. Like, Yeah. And then the second guy is David Naughton. Who's American that? Werewolf in London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the fucking employee of the month is Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking mm. great. Like he That's threw, fucking awesome. He threw all this shit in there. Mm. It's really cool. The other installment that he directed was Hair. That was the one with the guy with <laughs> yeah. blonde hair. That I hate that. I think it's stupid. Yeah. I, I, it's really dumb. It's going to get me paid and laid. Yeah, that's so dumb. Yeah. But overall, Body Bag is worth a watch. I know a lot of people probably haven't seen it mm-hmm. and probably overlook it, but if you like anthologies and you like Carpenter, it's, it's a fucking match made in heaven. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. It's yeah. just fucking fun. Uh, what's after that? 1994. In the Mouth of Madness. Okay, this... The final installment of the Apocalypse Trilogy. Yeah, this is like... 
I know I said Big Trouble in Little China. These two are tied. I forget And talk about, about that shit crazy. Mm-hmm. This one is fucking nuts. This was him going super... I'm not even sure if I understand the movie. Yeah. Well, it's it's him basically telling an H.P. Lovecraft story, you know? In a fucking awesome way. <laughs> and, and probably the best way I think I've seen it done. Like, because then he's, like, he's talking about, like, the author of it. And as the author is not just somebody writing about these things because he created it. He's writing about it because he's experienced it. He's seen it. He's the fucking conduit. And he's bringing, Yeah, and he's bringing all of it forward. And I really love that shit. And I love that scene where he finally meets Sutter Kane. And, like, Sutter Kane starts tearing himself apart like paper. But mm. then you see these fucking creatures in the distance. And they're charging towards Sam Neill. And Sam Neill's like... I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love that shit. Yeah. Also ends on a very fucking hopeless note. Yeah. It's just, this Apocalypse trilogy is a big downer. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, in my opinion, this was the last of his great films. This was the last of the great ones. Um, yeah, definitely. Because as I'm looking into his discography, yeah. Filmography. Filmography. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um... Although his installment of Masters of Horrors, I really like. Yeah, we'll, we, get, we'll there. get to that. Yeah. Um, so the next is 1995's Village of the Damned, which you, I've never seen. I have seen it. Um, I know it's Kirstie Alley and, yeah, and Superman. Yeah, and Superman when he could walk. And uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, I mean, it's a remake of a fucking film that wasn't that interesting to begin with. You know, it's like... Oh, it's a remake? Yeah. It, uh, the original Village of the Dam was like a black and white film. Oh. Um, and to me, it just still wasn't very interesting. No. It's, it's like aliens uh, show up that look like children, that can control your mind, they can make you do anything and shit like that. So um, I really can't remember the, the rest of the plot of the story, like what the fuck the significance Christopher Reeves is to this story. I really don't. I know he kills them at the end. I just don't know how. <laughs> Or I, I, I know how, but I just don't know why and why he's of significance to them. Uh, but yeah, it's not that good of a fucking movie. Yeah. I've never seen it. I didn't even know it was Carpenter, honestly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so we already did L.A. Yeah. Vampires! 1998's Vampires. Which honestly would have been a really cool movie if the cast was entirely different. I was just going to say... <laughs> I don't buy James Woods' tough guy. No. James Woods looked like he was frail as fuck throughout this entire movie. Since the beginning, I remember when I first saw James Woods, like when I was a kid. Vandrone drone and shit? Yeah, I always thought he was a knockoff Peter Weller. <laughs> I always had that in my mind. Like, yeah. Peter Weller actually has some chops. He yeah. can do some shit. He's very intelligent. And James very Woods is just the crazy version of yeah, that. He's just like the he's crazy like version. He's the drunk version Yeah. <laughs> he's just the, like... I don't know. He's bargain bin fucking Weller. Like, yeah. He's not... He doesn't really... I don't buy it. Yeah. No, and th- that's the whole thing, too. It's like the other supporting character in that is fucking Daniel Baldwin. But it's fat Daniel Baldwin. Yeah, and I don't, really like, don't want to see a Baldwin shooting bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see it, Alec. I don't want to see it. Well, he didn't pull the trigger. But he didn't pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't really know what they were going for in this movie. Like I felt like like he I felt like this was a con- contractual obligation to something you know cunt huh cunt contractual <laughs> um, this only was thing- around the time that From Dust Till Dawn came out right 
around, yeah. Yeah, vampires I, were kind of in at this point. But I think what happened for me, I saw from Dust Till Dawn, and I, I love that movie. I think it's so fun, fucking fun. Then I saw this, and it had nothing, none of that, of that, none of that fun factor. I will say I like the 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 lead vampire. Yeah, I like that dude, and like he has that look where it's like if there's gonna be a menacing vampire, he's gonna look yeah. like that. You know, he's got but, the Peter Steele thing going. Yeah, and but that's exactly it. It's yeah. like he looks like a vampire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all I'm really. Yeah. And like I just felt like too like the whole grand stakes were kind of just like eh. He's like if they have this cross, they can walk in daylight or daylight. So you shoot him in fucking daylight. Like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> you've been doing this for years. It right. seems to Aren't be working out. Aren't you a professional fucking killer? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't the church pay you to do this shit? Now you can get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, how do you know it's a vampire? Well, he's probably carrying the big stupid fucking cross. That's how. <laughs> That's how you know he's yeah. a day-walking vampire. Yeah. He probably has out-of-date clothing. <laughs> yeah. Is he dressed in a black trench coat <laughs> in July in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> or New Mexico, wherever the fuck they were at. It was the desert, though. <laughs> Peter, uh, Peter Weller would have handled it better. Yeah. There's a scene in that movie that is so goddamn ridiculous. I mean, there's a lot of scenes in that movie so so goddamn ridiculous, yeah. but... The when you're introduced to the vampire hunters and how they hunt and shit, they like go to this old abandoned house where it's a vampire nest, you know, mm. and they do this thing with the door where they basically like knock out the deadbolt and or or knock out the the um the the knob, and James Woods then reaches in and unlocks the deadbolt, and it's like why not just do that on the fucking deadbolt? But like the way James Woods reaches in is like the most like. If there was a vampire waiting in there, you're bit. Like, you you have been bitten because the way he did this. is like, why the fuck did you do that that way? Like, I'm not a fucking vampire hunter. I'm not even a goddamn cop. And I know that that was the wrong way to do that. <laughs> Robocop would have kicked that bitch in. Yeah. <laughs> Robocop would have kicked that bitch in. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I mean, I enjoyed Vampires when it came out, but it's like like I said, it didn't have that same fun factor that I was looking for because Telstra Dawn had that mm-hmm. thing. Well, know? it's also way too long of a movie. It is long. There's too many things happening. Like a lot of the shit too. Like you did not have to give us an entire scene of James Woods driving one way and then driving back to fucking butcher and bury his his team that was slaughtered. You know, like you could have just. You could have wrapped that up in a montage, bro. Like, yeah. We didn't need that. And that's why I'm saying, like, I felt like this was a contractual obligation to something because of the way it's shot. It just doesn't feel, doesn't feel like Carpenter. It's it not Carpenter enough. No. It's not genuine. And I don't think he he wrote any music for it either. I don't think so. And But it's got the Western thing. Yeah. That's understandable. Like, yeah. that's the only thing I think about that feels Carpenter. Yeah. Like, th- this isn't a usual cast for him. This is, yeah. like, completely different. Th- and maybe that's why he cast James And it also Lee. has a downer ending. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where he has to send his friend off knowing he's going to hunt him down and kill him eventually. Yeah, he says that to him. Yeah. He's like, I'll find you and I will like, kill that's, you. Like, yeah. that's a cool ending for a vampire film. It, honestly, like, that kind of sets it up for an interesting sequel to yeah. when they would meet, meet again. But at the same time, too, like, you really want to see Fat Baldwin and James Woods fight? No. <laughs> Old-ass James Woods, fat-ass Baldwin no. as a vampire? <laughs> no one's getting on the set with a Baldwin and a gun anymore. No. So. That's why they made him drive a separate Jeep. 
<laughs> don't trust you people with guns. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? You know, Baldwins. <laughs> you anti-gun motherfucker. <laughs> um, so this brings us to another heap of shit in the <laughs> <Arthur> <laughs> catalog. Is uh, Ghosts of Mars 2001. Yeah. And this movie reeks of early 2000 filmmaking. Which, this film is pretty much... Precinct 13 in space. Yeah. Well, fucking Desolation Williams was supposed to be Snake Bliskin. This is supposed to be Snake Bliskin in space. Mm. But Kurt Russell said, no, I'm not taking that character to space. Thank you, Kurt. Exactly. Like, even he saw the right on. You shouldn't have like, taken him to L.A. either. <laughs> yeah, it's probably where it's like, no. Snake got off in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's where his, that train stopped. Yeah. But, yeah, um, this was supposed to be a Snake Bliskin film. And Kurt Russell said no, so John Carpenter's like, well, I'm not going to make Snake Bliskin someone else. Like, yeah. Kurt Russell's Snake Bliskin, but Snake Bliskin is Kurt Russell. And so he was like, I'm just going to create a new character by the name of Desolation Williams. <laughs> and we were blessed with Ice Cube's acting for Desolation Williams. And uh, Ice Cube sucks. Fuck this movie. <laughs> like, everything about this movie is fucking dog shit. The way the aliens talk? Yeah, baby talk. Like... That motherfucker speaking. Like, what? Yeah, you can't fucking get past the the sharp teeth dentures he has. So it's just like he's he's actually trying to to deliver lines, but those things just make him sound like that. I actually, I have never seen this, and I tried to watch it last night before doing this. Oh, really? And I fell the fuck asleep. Dude, he. And this is where I'm just like, I I feel like he was just tired at this point. Like, he's like, I don't know. The reason why is because this movie has. Flashbacks within flashbacks. Like, if you, if you, I don't know, like you said, you didn't watch all of it, but in the movie, it takes place by your main character, Natasha something. Henstridge. Yeah, she played Species. Yeah. And that's all we have to say. Species. You guys know who it is. Um, Not my proudest fat. eh, It was what it was. (laughs) Um, You know, like, I, uh, if you watch that, the movie opens up with her like talking, like she's in questioning, she's in like she's being interrogated, and she's telling the story. So it's a flashback, you know. It's it that's how the story's being told is through her narration. That's how it starts. Yeah, but yes, but within that, you then get POVs from Jason Statham, uh, Ice Cube, these characters, and they have their own flashbacks within said flashback. And I'm just like, that's fucking stupid. Just tell the fucking story. Like, it doesn't need to be this. Yeah. And it, that and the story is just dog shit. Like, I like the idea of, like, like spirits of whatever was on that planet before inhabiting people. But you could tell that he's just like, well, I don't want this to be a thing. The, the thing. He's like, so. Right. Okay, so they're going to start mutilating their bodies and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. It's weird that, like. When you watch Ghost of Mars, it feels so much more low quality than the thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels lower budget. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe it's... I don't know. Maybe it's the sets. The sets just feel so fake. It's just they do. big red rocks. Like, and, and I don't know. Like, it just... It does feel like it's just, like, them and cardboard sets. Sci-fi channel dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's not... It's not good. It's just not fucking good. It's it's really, 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 really shitty. It's not good at all. Um, so, moving, yeah. Move on. Uh, 
he did two episodes of Masters of Horror. I think I've only seen one. I've seen Cigarette Burns. Which I love. I loved Cigarette Burns. Starring Udo Kier and fucking Norman Reedus. Yep. And Udo Kier fucking fed his guts to a, a, a projector. Love that it's shit. It's so cool, man. Well, you know what's funny is the thing that drew me to that was I, I, I saw a picture of the angel in a Fangoria. Mm. And I was like, whatever that is, is disturbing looking. It's just like an emaciated person. Yeah. You know the wings are clipped off. Yeah, and they've ripped the wings off. It like that's what they said is like the film is supposed to be showing what the apocalypse is. Yeah, and it was funny because if you I, I watched the commentary with John Carpenter, and he was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to put in. Like, what am I supposed to do to show you what the apocalypse is going to look like? Yeah, he's like, so you just put a bunch of disturbing fucking images in there, and then an angel with wings getting ripped off. <laughs> I just loved how blatant he was. He's like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? The middle finger stays up, man. <laughs> yep. And so I've I, that's the only one I see. I don't know what other one he's he's done, but he did one called Pro Life, starring Ron Perlman. Okay, I remember that. Was and it? it's just uh, so Ron Perlman's daughter is pregnant, mm-hmm. and she goes into this abortion clinic or whatever. Um, and she gives birth to the son of Satan or mm-hmm. something, and I really didn't like that one. Yeah, I thought it was just. That's pretty lame. Yeah, it feels like a kind of cheesed out concept. Like we've, we've had the yeah. whole Son of Antichrist right. type deal. You There's know. that whole thing, and then I just I don't like Ron Perlman. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. I've never liked anything he's been in. Yeah, I don't mind him. I liked I I really liked him in Enemy in the Enemy at the Gates. I don't think I've seen that. He he plays a cool character in that. Yeah, uh, and I I feel like he's kind of another one, uh, another kind of middle finger to whoever type deal. Yeah, um, I feel like after they made him look like a lion in Beauty and the Beast, he's like, you know what? I'm not doing this shit anymore. <laughs> he looks like that anyway. Yeah, I know. He's a fucking. He's an ugly motherfucker. Yeah, big ape face fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Pearl Life wasn't great. Cigarette Burns is is awesome. Yeah, from the Masters of Horror series, mm-hmm. uh, put together by. Mick Harris. <laughs> Mick Harris. Thick Harris. Uh, that dude's got a fucking mane. Yeah. So, the final film that we have thus far as recording this podcast is 2010's The Ward, mm-hmm. which I have not seen. I have. Okay. Um, I mean, it's been a while. I've, I watched it. Probably 2014. Okay. So, it's, it's been a few years. <laughs> um, it was... It, it felt like it was Carpenter doing like trying to tell a story, but you could tell the studio was way too involved. Make the cast sexy, you know. It's It takes place in a mental asylum, but everybody is a fucking supermodel, you know. Mm. And it's like, you, that's not realistic. Like, if this is a mental asylum... These are, f- no one looks like that, you know? And so, and I get it too, you know, young, you want, you know, you're trying to attract an, a type yeah. of audience. And, yeah, for sure. And shit like that. Um, what was interesting about this film, and I'm going to give it away, so spoiler alert, um, you're following a main character and then a group of other uh, patients, and this is, takes place in an all-female uh, psych ward, and all of them have their different, you know, Things like one is you know a, a cutter, one's a fucking you know whatever, and um, they all slowly start to be killed off, and then you come to find out at the end you're introduced to the killer, 
you come to find out that the killer is actually your main character and she's got multiple personalities, but every victim was actually a different personality of hers. Um, Does this feel like a Carpenter movie? Uh, like I said, because I think the studio's involvement and like, I felt like if he had the choice to cast it, it would have been different and we would have got a little bit more of a feel for it. It doesn't, it's not the Carpenter that you and I love. It's very much I feel like if to, it was, it, I would have been attracted to it at some point. Yeah. I feel like I never even heard about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, no one ever talked about it. Because it, it got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. It was one of those films that came out, and it just wasn't, not that the story's compelling. I mean, it, that the, the story arc is fine, but it's just the, the execution of it. And I feel that, you know, the, the idea of like, oh, we want a young, sexy cast. We, we need this. Like, it felt like it was trying to be like a teeny bopper horror while the story arc was trying to be more of a classic horror film mm. and so what she got was just kind of a a, a, a very haphazard kind of almost teen horror film yeah. like it felt like it should have been a PG-13 horror you know yeah. um, like a date night movie or some shit like that and I'm not going to fault Carpenter on it he still to me has better movies or has more good movies than he, than he has bad but for this to kind of be his last one was very disappointing. Yeah. And but like I said, I I really believe that I think that the studio had a lot to do with that. And that was probably what he's just like, you know what, fuck this. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna go write music. And I'm glad I'm glad he's still out there and he's involved. Mm-hmm. He might be past his prime with films. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, look what he gave us. Exactly. He gave us some fucking bangers. He gave us a lot of films that will live on forever. Like, the thing in Halloween will never go away. Yeah. Because you have an icon and in, in a slasher that, like I said, it created the... It gave us the formula for what became the slasher right. film. And then you got the thing, which is the crown jewel of practical effects. Pushed it as far as it could go mm-hmm. for its time. So, I'm... You know, I, I'll never... And like I said, he still is my one of my favorite directors. And yeah. I think he's definitely one of my... He's definitely my, my favorite when it comes to horror... But there's a lot of younger direct, and I say younger as in like, you know, they're out there already doing their thing. But fucking, you know, Ari Aster, uh, Eggers, like those guys, I look forward to their shit. The newer, you know? yeah, yeah, elevated horror. So to me, like John Carpenter though is on the Mount Rushmore. You know, you have like Toby Hooper, Wes Craven, John Carpenter, and Romero, and Romero. You know, I'll, I'll put those four on four for American. Yeah, yeah. four American as the Mount Rushmore of getting horror to where you yeah. know it became a film genre because yeah. of them um absolutely so i throw him right up there he's probably washington on my mountain rushmore horror <laughs> yeah yeah he chopped down that fucking cherry tree bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what can you say yeah carpenter's the fucking man he may not have ended on the highest note but we're still getting some new jams. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, for It this, started with him playing music. Mm-hmm. It's ending with him playing music. I was going to say, with this season, the holiday season, fuck holiday music. Just put on John Carpenter's discography. Any of his albums. Yeah. Any of his scores. Yeah, his, Just enjoy it. The, the What's the Lost... Um, lost, uh, lost Themes. Yeah, the Lost Themes. Just put the Lost Themes album on. Yeah. <laughs> and just love it. Yeah. But yeah, seeing him live was a an, a, a pure joy, um, because it was great to see him live. Mm-hmm. I can really rest my head knowing that yeah. I got to see that. Yeah, 
And, you know, I loved, like, the no-bullshit type attitude he had when he yep. went out there. He would just yep. give intros into the songs and go and launch into yep. them and shit. And they fucking played to the crowd, too, man. They, they knew what people were there to see. So, like, when fucking... They live theme hit. You know, they yeah, all put, put on the, the sunglasses on. They yeah. all hit that. They knew what they were doing. Yep. They hit the fucking first thing and then behind them on their screen, just obey. I'm yeah. Like, That's the shit. That's what we're here for. Yep. And then they played Halloween and everybody popped their phones out. Oh, this is yeah. the this is the song. Yeah. Fuck all of you. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. But yeah. It is an iconic fucking theme, man. No. It, that 5-4 timing. Mm-hmm. And the way it builds, I mean, it fucking works. And it's, to this day, they're still making Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. And that's that thing. Because of that on. mask and that fucking theme. Yep. And, like, you can't say that about any mm. other slasher. You got the, the you know, the, the, the Kike Mama for Jason, but he doesn't the have what? it. Isn't that what it is? <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. I, I always thought it was the, I always thought it was Chicha Kaka. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. That's what I thought it was, but then a lot. Like I watched the fucking uh, Crystal Lake memoirs, and people said it's it's kick ma ma because it's supposed to be kill kill ma ma's and mother. So oh, kill really? kill for mother. Yeah, that's what they were saying it was supposed to be. And I was like, either way, I feel like an asshole See, for I, saying it. I, I remember people being like, he's saying Jason. No, I don't know what the fuck. I always thought it was like that's what I always thought it was. I thought it was. Some, I have no fucking idea what he's saying. Fucking asshole, just making up. But yeah, you have that, which is, I guess is the staple for him, and yeah. then you have the, the one, two, nurse, Freddy's coming yeah, for yeah, you. Nursery rhyme for Freddy, yeah. but it's like you don't have like. I don't know, like the, those things are like, like I said, like the Jason Voorhees thing is more of like a calling card, and no one knows what the fuck he's yeah, saying. Exactly, like I felt like an <laughs> asshole just now. I hope you edit that out. No, I'm okay. staying in, yeah. man. Um, like, like that. Like, I feel like an like, like nobody knows what the fuck that is. And then the whole Freddy thing is like you it, have to say his name. Yeah, it's it's a nursery rhyme, yeah. and it's just like, which makes my, sense like, for going to sleep. Yeah, yeah, but but Michael has a theme song. Yes, you know. Yeah. And what does like you know? I'm a fucking professional wrestling fan. You have to have a killer theme. <laughs> you have to have a killer fucking yeah. walkout theme. Yeah. And. Michael has it, you yeah. know. And anyway, uh, on that note, I guess. Yeah, on that note, put a fucking nail on this. Well, let's wrap up this first year of podcasts. Yeah, this is the end of the first year of doing Double HES. Mm-hmm. I want to thank everybody for fucking tuning in, checking us out, spreading the word. Um, we've had great feedback. We have yet to get any bad feedback. Maybe nobody's listening. I don't know. <laughs> but Merry Christmas, you motherfuckers. Yeah. And uh, thank you. Happy uh, Hanukkah Kwanzaa. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> happy, happy Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa cut to you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, fuckers.